Hello and welcome to the Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Rupert McConnick, founder and EP at Seville Productions. delighted today to have Amy Bonitabas, Chief Communications Officer at Wells Fargo, as a guest. Welcome, Amy. How are you? Thank you. I'm well. How are you? Good, thank you. So just jumping in, can you tell us about your background and career before joining uh, Wells Fargo? Absolutely. Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here and excited for this conversation. I've been in communications and, and even marketing um, for... I guess now almost two decades, which is actually disturbing to say aloud. Uh, I started my career on Capitol Hill working for then Senator Hillary Clinton as her deputy press secretary, did a bunch of stuff in the political world before deciding to test out the private sector. And so I joined um, Fannie Mae, which is kind of funny because when I got a a call from the recruiter, I thought it was my um, then boyfriend, now husband, playing a practical joke because he had been there and he knew I knew nothing about housing, no interest in ever uh, joining Fannie Mae. And then long and short of it is it was actually real. Joined there. Two years later, the housing market crashed. I was at the epicenter of this, you know, economic event. And it was it was really quite fascinating. You know, Fannie Mae owns one in five mortgages in the United States. And so all these housing stories were really starting there. Ran that course for, you know, five plus years and then went over to um, Chase, where I spent a decade running communications for um, all of the consumer businesses and, and also ran marketing for the home lending business, then joined Wells just last year. Brilliant. What about Wells Fargo attracted you to the company in your position? Well, so Wells um, is going through really what I would call is a massive transformation right now. They had, you know, issues in 2016, brought in an entirely new leadership team, many of whom I worked with at J.P. Morgan Chase. And so really, you know, had a lot of people over at Wells who I trust and respect. And, and the opportunity was a very exciting one, again, to be part of this transformation. They've tackled a lot of big regulatory issues and are on the other side. So the light is at the end of the tunnel, but there's still some work to do. And to be part of that is really exciting. Wonderful. So can you tell us about Wells Fargo's commitment to communities? I can. When we went through, you know, this transformation, and particularly in recent years, we took a step back and said, what do we want to be known for? What are we known for today? And what do we want to be known for? What is our brand purpose statement? And it was the first time I've worked for a company that actually didn't have one at that time because the one that they had previously didn't resonate, right? Because again, there was some issues and it was, you know, when your brand purpose statement doesn't match the actions that are happening, you really get a conflict and you lose a lot of credibility. And so part of the exercise was, what is our new brand purpose statement? So we launched a campaign late last year called Bank of Doing. And the impetus for this campaign is truly, we are going to talk about the work we are doing in communities. We want people to tie back what they are seeing, experiencing every single day in local communities across the country with the bank that they're actually engaging with and who's managing their money for them. And so the bank of doing is all about the work we're doing in communities. Um, There's four pillars. It's sustainability, housing, small business. 
and financial health more broadly. And, um, and so things like, you know, donating hundreds of solar panels to indigenous communities so they can wean off of coal fueling. And so things like that and talking about the impact that's having on these communities, that's the type of work that we have underway right now. And that's ultimately what's going to define our brand. Um, how do you communicate brand purpose with the consumers without purpose washing? It's a great question, and it is really finding that fine balance. And social media, of course, is is a great way to do it if you can actually get that balance right, because people and, and companies really do want to go straight to that product marketing. And that's where you lose people is, you, you know, what insights are you sharing? What experiences are you offering that they can relate to? Those are the companies people want to engage with, not the ones that are just constantly talking about products, products, products. And so we offer, you know, insights. We'll share information that people wouldn't otherwise have access to around spend trends, for example, back to school spending, how you can save. Um, holiday time is another is another kind of moment in time where people really want to hear from um, their banks and and again get the insights that we have because we have access to data that that you know most companies don't. And um, with recent turbulence in the the banking sector, how do banks reaffirm public trust? Banks reaffirm public trust by giving back and by you know living their brand. And we have found that we do best when we're local and when we've got that you know grassroots campaign underway where we're really speaking to our customers in the communities we serve. And when you show up every day in the community and when you're there for your customers through our incredible tellers and branch staff who are greeting customers, who are helping them tackle a lot of you know, the financial challenges or in many cases um, achieve financial goals, that's how you establish credibility. And it's that reach that we have, um, like other big banks, some other banks have, you know, have similar reach as us, um, but you know, a lot of those startups or the online, they don't have that. And so that is the differentiator. Why is brand purpose important for recruiting and retaining talent? Look, we all spend a lot of our time in a given day or week at work. And these recent college grads, they really appreciate this more than anyone else. And, and that is having a mission and a brand purpose so that they can get excited about the work they're doing every day is incredibly important to them. And by the way, who who isn't, you know, who doesn't find value in that? I know I, you know, I want to go to work and feel like I'm adding value and also feel like the company I'm working for is one that's helping others in some way, shape or form. And, and I feel that way every time, you know, I show up to work every day. And so when I meet with you know, candidates for jobs, particularly those who either are just getting out of college or only a couple of years out of college, they're, one of their first three questions is, how is Wells Fargo getting back? What is Wells Fargo's mission? How do you feel like they're living that mission? And I love that question because it's absolutely the right question. And it's one I think we have a great answer to. What would be your advice to young uh, professionals entering the workspace? I would give, I would offer two pieces of advice. First, be flexible. You know, I, I often am surprised. I'll meet with an intern, for example, and we'll talk about, you know, okay, is this the job that you, that you want to pursue? Or what, what are you looking for, you know, when you graduate next year? 
And oftentimes I'll get a response that's, I want to be in New York. I want to live in New York. I want to work in New York. And I take a step back and I, <laughs> it's like, I have to like pause. And then I offer my own experience, which is I, there were opportunities that were so incredible that if I wasn't flexible and didn't move, I would, I, I would have been blocking myself from pursuing those opportunities. So, you know, I would say don't create artificial barriers, particularly when you're at a young age, be flexible. You know what? You never thought in my case, I never thought if you told me 12 years ago that I would have lived in Columbus, Ohio, I would have laughed at you. And you know what? I, I got a big job. Um, and one of my biggest opportunities, and particularly as a um, marketer, I, I was named CMO for the home lending business, but all of marketing was based in Columbus. And I knew it was the right thing to do to be there with the organization. And so, and by the way, you know, I would now say that those are some of the best years that I had was living in Columbus, Ohio. But if I said, absolutely not, I'm only going to be New York or DC, I would have never had that opportunity. So be flexible, you know, take risks sometimes, push your boundaries. And then the other thing a mentor of mine once said, be bigger than your job. And I love that line because it's true. When I'm thinking about hiring someone, the first thing I'm thinking about is who's that person that raised their hand when there was the special project, maybe didn't even know anything about it, but was willing to lean in, be bigger than their job and, and ultimately delivered great work. And so that's the kind of person I want on my team. You don't have to know everything, but if you're willing to learn, you're ambitious and, and you're the person that raises your hand to jump in, that's absolutely a characteristic that I think is, you know, highly sought after. So what are some things that um, companies can do to help cultivate female talent? Well, very simply, um, you know, we have employee resource network, which is an all-female resource network. And that's a great way just to, you know, get in a room with other female leaders and with other, you know, female professionals, share experiences, you know, what happened when you were in an instance or have you ever been in, have there, has there ever been an instance where, you know, your ideas weren't welcome or where you, you know, were presented with an opportunity, but maybe it was a lateral move. How do you navigate those things? And just hearing from other females, you, you really would be amazed at how much benefit people get from that. So we have really a very popular network there and lots of positive feedback around it. And then, you know, for companies, they've got to have training programs and other things in place to be able to help develop female professionals and ultimately female leaders. And so that's something that Wells Fargo has spent a lot of time thinking about because otherwise... To your point, you might recruit that talent because they might really like the hiring manager they're talking to. But then when they get their foot in the door, they might realize, you know what, there's not a lot of upward um, mobility and opportunity for me here. And so then you struggle to retain them. So I would say the ongoing kind of leadership and develop, development programs for females is, is something that I even look at when I'm you know, interviewing with a company. And I, I would encourage others to do the same. Wonderful. So can you tell us about um, uh, some of the upcoming Wells Fargo initiatives that you're excited about? We're really spending a lot of time um, on innovation, new digital capabilities, and just technology in general. So we recently announced Fargo, which is an artificial intelligence um, leveraged kind of virtual assistant, where our customers can engage with Fargo and get 
answers. And it's always, you know, you've seen these companies where even when you kind of dial in and it's like, I'm a virtual assistant, can I help you? And I just sit there and say, representative, representative, rep, because I find myself going around in circles. And it's a waste of time. Yeah. And so what I'm excited about with Fargo is we've tested this thing, you know, at nauseam. And it really does anticipate the customer's needs and their questions. And it gives answers that are accurate and on point and ultimately um, saves them time. And that really is, you know, who doesn't value their time? Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And what about some of the initiatives you're, you're doing around communities? Yeah, we have, um, we have really initiatives across the country. We have what's called kind of hope branches where we create a community space in a branch where we hold listening sessions, um, financial health forums. So I'm really excited about those because we've, we've heard from communities that where they're getting a lot of interest and a lot of traffic. People are coming and seeking out the programming that we offer in these branches. So that's been really exciting. And then, of course, just all the support of our nonprofit partners. We actually today just announced a partnership in South Carolina with um, a nonprofit called Concordance. It's an anti-recidivism program. And so just when you think about, you know, those who have spent time in prison and now are coming back into the workforce, how do we help make them productive members of the community and accept them? And so those type, really, it's those those type of mission-driven programs with nonprofit partners are are definitely some of our favorite. Wonderful. So that, it's been wonderful having you on. We really, really enjoyed interviewing you for the podcast. So thank you very, very much indeed for taking the time to, to join us, Amy. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate this time and, and in connecting with you and really excited to hopefully continue this dialogue. So thanks again for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. Learn more about Seville Productions and our work in the purpose and sponsored entertainment space at www.sevilleproductions.com.